I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Sennett Eskridge. Sennett is a Magic Valley native, uh, born and raised in Twin Falls, and he and his wife have five children. Uh, I have two, five sounds like a ton. Um, he's a, he's a uh, they're small business owners and uh, invest in multifamily. And, and Senna, as I as I mentioned, I'm going to let you tell your story. But first, I I want to I want to just say thank you, thank you for coming on the show, thank you for taking the time out this morning. Um, very appreciate me. So why don't we start there? Like, just start with telling us telling us your story. Tell us kind of your background, where you came from, and then and we'll we'll uh, follow that journey into real estate. Yeah, so I uh, I've been I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. Uh, I was I was the young kid that was selling things in school. You know, like uh, I've always known that uh, paving my own path was the way that I wanted to do that, and went through several different iterations of that. But eventually, I got into the financial services industry, and uh, when I was in that industry, I was very having very high level conversations with people about money you know, and their, and their, and their wealth. <clears throat> and I, you know, we'd talk about investing millions of dollars and setting up 401ks for people uh, with big companies, that type of thing. But my favorite aspect of that was helping the, the person get started. In fact, specifically the, the 18 year old kid that just graduated high school or is about to graduate high school, sitting down with them and talking to them about what their dreams are and what kind of lifestyle that they want to have and helping them get to that point. As truly was, that one was my favorite. Unfortunately, it didn't, <clears throat> didn't pay really well, right? Because uh, financial services, the way you get paid is by the amount of money that you have under management. But I've just always loved helping people. And uh, for some reason, I just have that in my, in my heart, a servant heart or a helper. You know, I really want to help people achieve their goals. And so I was always very comfortable talking to people about money. And I helped put, you know, I don't even know the dollar amounts, but you know, lots of money into the stock market. Uh, but the entire time I was investing in real estate. And I felt a little bit, um, I felt a little bit off by telling my my investors to put their money into things, you know, in the stock market, into, you know, those type of traditional investment classes while I'm buying real estate. The entire time, I kind of felt kind of weird about that. And as far as real estate, you know, I started off like a lot of people do uh, in the single family space. And I had a house I just couldn't sell. It, uh, so I was that, uh, what do they call them? Accidental landlord, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I had to move and I had a house that I couldn't sell. So what do you do with it? You rent it out. And I just fell in love with the cash flow. It's like, if I can do this once, why can't I do it a second time? And I did it again. And then uh, I decided to buy a junker and fix it up. I was going for the burr strategy. I'm sure that a lot of people are familiar with that. And 
before I could get it refinanced, somebody offered me a bunch of money for it. So now I'm an accidental flipper. Yep. And so uh, between the Burr strategy and uh, flipping and all that kind of stuff, I, I built up this, this fairly large portfolio of single family houses. And then I realized, wow, I can get duplexes. I can get triplexes. I can get fourplexes. So now I'm a, in the multifamily space, right? So I moved everything over into that space. Uh, but eventually I ran out of uh, resources. I ran out of time. I ran out of money. Uh, and I quite frankly, ran out of lenders. Uh, lenders don't like to give you a whole lot of uh, loans over over 10 when the single single family space, there's a lot of uh, restrictions okay. and things like that and regulations. So it just but got more and more difficult. And so I knew I needed to shift. I knew I needed to do something else. And so I spent a good year just educating myself about other aspects of real estate, primarily in the commercial space. So I, I looked at things like self-storage. I looked at things like uh, industrial, uh, retail, even uh, like elder care or assisted living style, that type of thing. But the thing that made the most sense to me was apartments and multifamily because I had all that experience with rentals. Sure. But I couldn't figure out how to buy one of these big buildings on my own. Like, how, how, do you go, how do you go out and buy a $20 million apartment building? Well, I'm the figure it out type of guy. So here's what I did. I called my residential realtor that helped me buy all of these, these apartment, or I'm sorry, uh, duplexes and triplexes. And I said, I want to put an offer in on that uh, $20 million building. She said, okay. Like, it was the biggest, <laughs> biggest offer she's ever made in her entire life. Yeah. She took a standard residential realtor form, the offering form published by the state of Idaho and wrote an offer on this $20 million building. Uh, obviously I didn't get it. Right. Right. I mean, I literally right. got laughed out of the room, right. uh, but uh, thank goodness, because what would I have done with all those units? I had no idea what I was doing. So I took that as a, as a, a life lesson that I needed to go back and educate myself. And to do that, I decided to join a mentorship group. And uh, I did a ton of research. I looked at every mentorship group in the multifamily space that you could imagine and finally landed on one called Jake and Gino. Uh, I'm not trying to plug them, but a great program. Uh, they're absolutely phenomenal. I joined their program and a year later decided to resign from uh, financial advising and, and my W-2 job and go full time into multifamily. They helped me. They helped me sell all of my single-family assets and move everything into multifamily, and be able to focus 100% onto multifamily. And with that transition, as I mentioned, I, you know, I really love helping people. I realized now not only can I help uh, my residents have awesome homes to live in, but now I have an opportunity to help uh, people invest into those homes. Yeah. So I joined another group called Raise Masters, which helps me uh, help me learn how to uh, create apartment syndications. And basically, oh, that's a fancy word for uh, we take a lot of people and we pool we pool their money together and we go buy this big building together, right? And so now I get to help these people have an amazing place to live over here, and now I get to help investors uh, build those communities for for our our residents and provide them uh, stable returns uh, with, with high rates, with tax advantages, 
And all they have to do is sit back and enjoy the benefits. And, and bringing that all full circle, the reason that's so important to me is because now I don't have to feel disconnected from my people. You know, as I mentioned earlier in the financial advising space, I felt, I felt uh, bad because I was having people put money into stocks, but I was putting money into real estate. And now I don't have to do that anymore. And so it's just an awesome fit for me. And uh, I, I love where it's gone and where it's taken me. And uh, I'm just excited to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I, I want to sort of have a few questions just based on, you know, kind of the story. But one of the things and you just sort of you mentioned it again is you were as a financial advisor, you're helping people place money in the stock market and and you're buying real estate. So I've I've we've had sort of I get I don't know <laughs> several reformed uh financial advisors on the on the podcast kind of say have that similar sentiment. Is are you not allowed to tell people, you know, what, why wouldn't you be able to kind of, you know, help them play in that position? Why wouldn't you be able to help them sort of uh, look for real estate type invest in, investments and things like that? Are there, are there rules to that? Or is it just the company you work for? What, what's kind of the story there? Yeah. So, so there are rules, uh, you know, the, the government uh, puts out several rules regulated by SEC and FINRA and a couple of other organizations. <clears throat> But the the brokerage firm or the RIA that the advisor works for interprets those rules. And they have their own compliance department. And uh, you every time uh, you have you get into any kind of business in that industry, you have to disclose it to your broker. So let's make something up. Let's just say uh, you're going to open a coffee shop. You have to go to your broker and get permission. It's called an outside business activity or an OBA. And you have to get permission to open that coffee shop. In my life, let me give you an example. My wife became a Mary Kay rep. Uh, that's uh, you know the makeup. It was a uh, makeup MLM, and she bought she got bought in this company to get the discounts and get the package and all that kind of stuff. And I failed to report that to my company. <clears throat> that didn't go well. Let's just say that uh, they were not happy about uh, about that, and I I didn't think that I had to report it. So uh, when I was in the real estate business, I had to report every LLC that I created. And my brokerage believed that uh, helping people invest into real estate is what they consider selling away, which is selling uh, products that are not authorized by that company. Now, there are a couple of brokerage companies out there that specialize in real estate syndications, and that's all they do are private placements. Mm -hmm. And so I had the option. I could have just shifted and moved everything over to one of those brokerage companies or one of those RAAs and worked with that company. <clears throat> uh, that would have been okay. Uh, but this is better for me because there's um, less, uh, less regulations, less rules, less headaches. Uh, now that I, if I am actually the issuer of the security rather than selling somebody else's securities, it's a little, little better for me. I feel I can do a better job for my investors this way yeah. yeah it makes sense i mean it honestly just a curiosity question i, I you know because you hear about that and, and it's i talk to you know i talk to investors when we, when we have a deal we're raising capital for and so i could talking to investors and they're like okay i just need to talk to my financial advisor and then come to find out like their financial advisor doesn't know anything about real estate which it seems is is often the case and so they don't, it's, it doesn't really help them to go talk to their financial advisor. They don't, you know, it's just kind of like, 
<laughs> there's an area that, that they don't know or aren't maybe allowed to you know kind of recommend for them for their clients so uh, it, it is it is kind of an interesting thing and, and i you touched on sort of the i guess if we talk about the, the sec side of this where it's can't necessarily there are a lot of rules about what you can uh you know sort of sell from a, a private placement type of um scenario so I, I i see there's there would be a lot of red tape and it maybe it, it certainly makes more sense to to do it yourself and also if you're entrepreneurial you, you probably want to be doing it yourself so that 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 makes more sense um when did you get started with jake and gino uh early early 2021 uh, i officially joined their program uh, it was March 1st, 2021 specifically. Okay. Okay. So Thanks. then it, within a year, you were able to kind of get away from your, uh, I guess, W-2 and, and be, you know, full, full-time in real estate. Correct. Yeah. Uh, March. So it was a, a very specific March 1st, March 1st, 2021 was when I joined Jake and Gino. March 1st, 2022 is when I, when I left my W-2. And something I, something I often leave out when I'm telling that story uh, I'm very blessed and honored. Jake and Gino actually came to me and offered to allow me to be a coach for their students. So I actually teach their students now how to do the similar type of thing that I did, you know, buying real estate, uh, how to achieve their goals. And um, so I started that in July of 2022. So a uh, little, little part-time thing. I teach, teach people how to buy apartments. So yeah. Yeah, no, that's a it's a nice side hustle to go with your, uh, your own apartment buying. So um what are your in terms of your actual investments now in multifamily what what's your focus uh you know kind of lo locate market asset class what what are you looking at and and then we'll kind of go into um what role do you play in those syndications yeah so uh, i live in idaho so it makes sense that i should look for deals in idaho uh, i'm actually doing a small uh, joint venture uh right now in idaho right now that i'm uh, i'm right in the middle of the acquisition process we're coming up when recording this, we're coming up on the end of the year and I'm trying to get it done before the end of the year, but we may have to kick it into January of 23. That's, that's fine. Uh, and then obviously you want to expand out of those kind of markets as well. So I'm very active in the Texas market. San Antonio specifically is my favorite market in Texas. Uh, I also really like Oklahoma. Uh, I'm uh, working on a deal in Tulsa right now. And then I'm working uh, with some partners in the Carolinas as well. Okay. Fantastic. What, uh, you know, and you can expand on this, but we've talked about it on the show before there, there's a, a number of different roles within mm -hmm. syndication and, and, um, I don't want to forget to ask you this, but I I'd love to have you talk about the difference between syndication and joint venture, but, but let me, yeah. let me start with the, <clears throat> the roles of, you know, kind of within those syndications, uh, as someone who's who's teaching students, I'm sure you go through this a lot. You know what are those roles, but what what are the roles and and what what are your roles? What do you focus on in your deals? Um, you know, you're kind of jack of all trades, or are you are you sort of focused in one specific area? Well, being a coach, I have to be a little bit of a jack of all trades because I have to understand each one of them to be able to teach people how to do it, and also to be able to. Uh, point them in the right direction, right? I have to understand each aspect of the business. Uh, but so the role, the roles are pretty, pretty clear, right? There's four or five, depending on how you break it out. You know, there, there's people that uh, specialize in investor relations. 
which is another word for capital raising, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's people that are out there acquiring properties. So acquisition specialists, these are people that are either doing direct to seller calls or uh, dealing with brokers to build it, to go out there and find deals and bring them into the team. Uh, there's people that do underwriting, you know, and that's their only specialist. These are these are the guys that love Excel and just sit in Excel all day long and, yeah. you know, play with numbers and and rent rolls and things like that, which <laughs> spreadsheet is, wizards. <laughs> right. Yeah. I love those yeah. guys. Right. Yeah. And then uh, when all of that's put together, there's the uh, asset manager. Right. And the asset manager, this is the guy that's going to really execute the business plan, which. I believe is probably the most important person in the business because obviously you can find a good deal. Uh, but if you can't operate the business plan and take it to, through to fruition, really, there's not much point in doing it. So uh, my specialty is really uh, three, three different things. So number one, I love putting teams of people together. I love finding a deal and then finding all the right people to put it all, to, all together, which is not something I just defined as a role, but knowing those roles and knowing how to put them together is something that's very, very important. It is, yeah. The second thing is uh, I'm really good at the acquisition process. Taking something from uh, LOI, from the time that a deal is, is, is signed from LOI all the way to closing. That there's so many steps involved in that process that people people think you just put out an offer, then you go to the closing table, similar to single family. And it's not at all. I mean, that's a full-time job for that 60 days, putting that process together. And that's something that I've I've gotten really, really good at. And we could dive into the details of it, but uh just high level, that's that's one of my specialties. And then finally, uh investor relations and capital raising. Uh, it just makes total sense because of all that experience I have with the financial advising business. I love talking to people about money. So uh, that usually falls on me. Great. Great. Um, the, 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 I do want you to kind of expand on that, you know, sort of role of, of guiding through the, the deal through the acquisition process, because uh, it, it is, it, it is, not one of the roles that's specifically defined often, right? People yeah. talk about the the four that you mentioned, but um, having <laughs> having been that person, like, you know, like sort of the conductor of the orchestra, it really you're right. It's you're just constantly, uh, you know, people people hire someone for this position. In in some of the larger companies, they have just a transaction coordinator basically, and it's someone that has to do a, a lot of what uh what i think you're going to talk about but but maybe maybe go into some of that because it is there's a lot of stuff out there that's like you know you watch the podcasts or you listen to the podcast you watch the watch the the social media clips and it's like these are the four jobs and this is how they each person does this job and stuff but it's it's not really as you said it's not kind of submit offer and then go to the closing table there's a <laughs> lot to it yeah for sure i talk to a lot of people that uh come from the single family space right and and in, in just to compare purchasing a single family house to, to this, you know, so let's talk through that process just real quick, like single family, you know, you put in an offer, uh, you get uh, pre-approved by a bank and maybe you do an inspection. Then you go to the closing table. It's pretty simple. And I've seen single family houses close. Well, I've seen some close in less than a day, but a typical is, you know, 
two weeks is pretty pretty easy to do something like that. Uh, in an apartment syndication, there's so many steps involved. You start off by putting out that offer that what in that in that space is called a letter of interest is typically what we use. And this is where the negotiation starts with the seller. Once they sign that letter of interest, then you have to get a contract purchase and sale agreement drafted by an attorney. This is now when the attorneys now go back and negotiate over things, right? So the seller and the buyer are typically out of the out of the equation at this point. This the their their turn the buying attorney and the selling attorney are now doing that negotiation. Uh, once that's approved, uh, then you move into all of the due diligence to be able to put the property together. So due diligence, there's a lot of things to do. Uh, I actually have, have a checklist of uh, the hundred point. 101 point due diligence checklist. These are the things you need to check before you buy an apartment building. Uh, these are things like uh, physical inspections of the building. Somebody needs to go through all X number of units. If it's a 16 unit, you got to go through all 16 units. If it's a 300 unit, somebody's got to go through all 300 units and, and assess the, the condition at each, each unit. Uh, it's just like on a single family home inspection. But imagine having to inspect 300 single-family homes to be able to buy them. That's very similar to, to what we try, what we accomplish. And we uh, have an Excel sheet that comes back with every single unit, the condition, and the estimated repair cost to get it up to our standards. We do the same thing for the inside, the outside, scope the lines, actually look at the sewer lines, look at the roof, all those kind of things for the physical inspection. And then we also have a, a legal due diligence period. So this is when we look at every single contract that's involved in the property that we're going to we're going to take on. So when you're doing your analysis of a property, you get what's called a rent roll. And rent roll is where you get you know all the units in the property and what they what they are paying in rent, what their balances are, that type of thing. Well, I cannot tell you how many times. I have gone to do the <clears throat> legal inspection and actually done a lease audit where I go through and look at every single lease and it does not match the rent roll. Yeah. Rent roll says that they're getting $1,000 a month for this unit and the lease says they're getting 800 a month. That has happened so many times and I've actually had it kill a deal. I had one lender, they were using the actual income rather than my projected income and I could not get them to shift their shift their vision on this deal. And, and to accept my what we call pro forma, right? And to be able to understand that I'm going to be able to take this and increase the the income in less than a year, they just they wouldn't accept that. And so because the actual leases didn't match the rent roll, they walked away from the deal. And I couldn't get another lender to come on in time. <clears throat> I actually lost that uh, that deal, and it cost me. Mm, thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars, not, not hundreds or, you know, fifties or anything, but I think it was about 18, $19,000, somewhere in that range that I, that I lost on that deal because I'd already paid for so many inspections. I'd already paid for flights. I'd already paid for all these things to get out there to, to inspect this property. <laughs> these are all things that you have to do in that process. Uh, all the time, all that inspections going on, the due diligence, you also have to be working with the lender. You know, that you're going to go get the, your biggest partner in one of these deals is always the bank, you know, whoever, who's going to be loaning on that product. So you got to be working with them that entire time and, and getting, jumping through their hopes, hoops, uh, filling out their forms, 
getting them tax returns on on the the signers, getting them uh, bank statements for the property, all of these type of things that they have. You know, Fannie, Fannie and Freddie have a giant checklist uh, of things that you have to provide to them. And if you don't know what you're doing, a lot of these people, they don't even have these documents. So you got to go and create them. The first time was uh, quite an eye opener, right? And then uh, during that time, you also have to order things like appraisals. Uh, we do a thing called a cost segregation study on all of our all of our complexes. We order that during uh, so that it can happen like as soon as we close. So we order that during this inspection time. Uh, getting estimates on any of the repairs that we have to do. All of these things that that we have to put in place so that when we close on the property, we can take action on our business plan day one. And and like you mentioned, it's a full time job. People hire these transaction coordinators, and it's something that that I've gotten really good at. And it goes back to that uh, that thing that I said of I'm really good at putting the right people in the right place, putting teams of people together. Yeah, yeah, and it's and to be clear this is all going on at the same time. So people that people listening, it's not, he, he, he mentioned sections of it, but it's literally all just happening at the same time. You're, you're, you're submitting your, and, and it's true. You, you submit that LOI. You basically have already done your negotiation with the seller. And then the attorneys have to turn that, you know, one page document into a, you know, 70 page document. And it, it, you know, make sure that nothing gets missed and you're, you're, you're tracking down your finance. I mean, it's, it is uh it, it's chaotic to say the least it's a it's a there's a lot going on at that point so it is it is a really important job to to be that you know sort of coordinator of all those things that are going on and have it go go smoothly so um i i, I can see where that's it's a it's a good role too for someone if you're you're training people because you're you are familiar with all of the you know, different components. And so that, that's the, that's that, that person is going to tie it all together, right? They're going to, they're going to help establish the business plan and pass it off to the asset manager, right? Like, and, right. and, and get it across the finish line. So um, very cool. I know uh, we had actually, um, Gino was on, on the show uh, a little while back. And, and I, I think one of my, one of my things that I know a number of people have gone through the program. One of the things I think is cool is they, uh, don't just talk about only syndication, right? He's, he, he'll talk about, you know, uh, joint ventures. He'll talk about doing, you know, some, some programs. It's like, you need to go bigger. You need to go bigger. That's the way to do it. Scale is always the most important thing, but you know, they'll talk about joint ventures and things like that as well. So, um, I would love it if you would kind of give people a little idea of, of what that difference is. Cause I think a lot of the terms get just kind of tossed around and maybe people don't know what, what does a joint venture mean versus versus syndication yeah so syndication uh they've got two classes of <clears throat> uh we use the term partner it's not not the technical term but we we do use that we use the term general partner and limited partner and you've got two different classes of people uh and the general partner what they do is is they they're the ones out there running the business on a day-to-day -day basis these are the people that are fully responsible for that business plan to be implemented and they put their their time and their life on the line and uh they work very very hard to provide great returns for the limited partner and being a limited partner is like everybody's dream you get to put in some money 
and uh, sit back and relax and don't have to do anything but read a, read an update every month or every quarter and, and then cash the checks when they come in. You know, we get to take in all those great returns that we talked about earlier uh, as a limited partner and you have limited risk. There's really no risk on the table <clears throat> there. Uh, other than the amount of money you put into the deal, you essentially have no, no other risks. If everything is done properly, if the general partners did their job properly, you're shielded from anything that happens in the deal. But by doing that, you also give up uh, a bit of the profit to the general partners, right? Those general partners, they need to be rewarded for all that work that they do. So, you know, they, they have what they call splits, say, uh, 70, 30 is a really common, uh, split, which what that means is that, uh, 70% of the profits, you know, go to the limited partner partnership and 30% go to the general partnership for all of their work. Uh, I've seen, uh, 80, 20, I've seen 60, 40, uh, you know, any combination of those type of things and every deal is going to be unique. And the reason that happens is again, because those general partners are putting all that time and, and, and risk and all that kind of stuff out there. <clears throat> in a joint venture, a little bit different. A joint venture is usually a smaller property or at least a less expensive property because you don't have to come up with as much money to be able to, to purchase one of these. Mm -hmm. And again, typically you could joint venture any size deal if you have enough money in your partnership, but they're usually a smaller property. And now all of the people in that partnership have to be active. There's no longer that separation of the two different types of partners, right? There's <clears throat> there's not a general partner and a limited partner. Everybody's kind of putting their work out there on the line. So these are for more people that want to be active in the business, people that want to have a job, people that want to have a role. And because they have that role, there's usually a little bit more profit involved. But again, do you want to be a passive investor and actually go out there and just put your money to, to work? And, and you can still now focus on the rest of your life, whether that's a job or your family or vacation, whatever it is that you want to do. Or are you looking to get into this business and become an active partner? And really, that's one of the biggest differences is between a syndication and a, and a joint venture. Joint venture, everyone has to have a job. Now, I've seen that sometimes when some everyone has to have a job, one of their jobs is to take notes in the meeting, right? So there's different scales and different levels of activity. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, I, I don't want to get into too many uh, examples of that and pointing out uh, different ideas for people to uh, want to get into too many gray areas there. But uh, the amount of activity somebody has to have can be limited, but you still have to have an active role. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes in the in the on the joint venture side, you know, so, somebody's job might be having a lot of money. Right. That's their <laughs> that's their job they're they're the you know sort of the capital source so it, it not to get into all the the legal implications of all of this but you know you have uh you certainly whether you're doing a syndicate if, if you're doing a syndication you have to have an attorney involved you have to have an sec attorney yeah. you're doing a joint venture you should have an attorney invo involved you may not have to have an sec attorney but you need to have someone who's very um knowledgeable in, in contract law and, and have a, a real uh it, still treat it like a business and and you know you don't i guess technically you know two friends saying hey we're going to go buy this duplex is is a joint venture but it's 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 a little bit different in terms of um you know what what you're referring to here but but probably shouldn't be treated differently 
right? You, you're those two right. friends should still have a contract and operating agreement, all of that, so that, you know, kind of the attorneys will make sure you've accounted for the things that you don't think are going to go wrong and hopefully don't, but if they do, it's already been, you know, kind of spelled out in advance. Absolutely. Uh, an attorney friend of mine said his job is to solve your problems before you have them. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I think that having a professional involved in, in every aspect of, of any business, they're worth their weight in gold. You have a good professional, yep. right? They're going to do, they're going to do their job better than you can do it. Yeah, it's a hundred percent true, and and it's and that that even goes back to <clears throat> you were speaking about you know sort of that whole uh, due diligence and acquisition process. And you mentioned you mentioned a lot of things, but there's a dozen other things that are happening at the same time, and you need you need to establish insurance. And so you know you talk about you know having a good professional, having a good insurance professional, someone that that you trust to come in with the 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 quotes that will be reasonable, but also protect you uh, in, in the event that something goes wrong. So it's, it is truly, truly, you know, sort of that, that team sport. Um, And I guess sticking with that (laughs) sport analogy that the team needs a good, uh, a good coach or manager or whatever, whatever your sport you're interested in. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's a incredibly important to sort of navigate all of that and have the right team members in place, whether those are team members in terms of the investors or the general partners, or their team members in terms of the the uh, professionals that you've hired to, to help with the transaction. For sure. And, and you mentioned, you know, there's so many other things that I didn't talk about. We could do an entire show, an hour long, just yeah. about the acquisition process. I don't even know that it would fit in an hour. I mean, you re- really, and that, that that's what, a, that's what a lot of the books I think focus on right like a lot of those um you know sort of books on syndication or like this is the process um and it's good they're, they're good outlines but but even still until you do it you're gonna you're gonna run into things that you didn't you didn't anticipate um that that at least i haven't I've read a lot of these books and haven't seen it. it's it's there's and they're different from residential uh if you've been through residential transactions, single family side of things, they are different. Even, even again, back to that insurance example, that the insurance process is, is different. You can't have more than one broker bidding at a particular insurance provider. I didn't know that. Like they I, just, <laughs> nobody, nobody told me that ahead of time. And then I mean, one, one broke, I thought, well, I have multiple insurance guys go out there and get us bids and, and it'll be competitive. And it's like, well, I'm already locked out of these, you know, five or 10 brokers or uh, providers because this you've got someone else doing it. So there's, there's things that, that again, I haven't seen that in a book. So, you know, there's certainly uh, a lot of the experiential knowledge that comes with, with actually just doing a deal um, yep. along the way. Same thing happens with, uh, with lender bro- brokers for banks and things like that. So yeah. I had a commercial lending broker uh, deal similar to that. I, I shopped the same deal. It was five. I sent it to five brokers, uh, loan brokers, and all five of them called me and chewed me out (laughs) (laughs) because they did that exact same thing. They, the first one went to these three banks and this one went to that, these credit unions, these ones went to these lenders and, uh, you know, they all got egg on their face and, and I had to learn that through, uh, experience. Nobody told me that, you know, so, uh, now I know, and now I don't do that. Right. But it took me a long time. 
uh, only two of those five will even talk to me today. The other three are like, no, never talking to you again. Yep. And a lot of the brokers, and and I understand why. I mean, you know, if you have any background, probably in business or real estate, a lot of times it's like you should, you know, people people I think hear enough, even just on HGTV, hear enough like you should get three estimates for this work, blah blah blah, right? So, so people think that same thing applies and it's not so much that it doesn't but if you have a trusted broker they're already doing that for you right so they're right. that that insurance broker or the, or the um, mortgage broker they have 20 or 30 banks or insurance providers that they're doing that for you so having and and, and they don't all have the same ones in their rolodex so yeah it it is possible that one debt broker might have a different lender available to them than another but that that speaks to the importance of of finding the um the people that you that you like working with you trust and and they and they you know sort of do a good job for you and have your best interests in heart and then keeping them right, right. like it might take you a few tries to find that the right person for you but once you do you keep them and, and you and you treat them well because you know and as you said you 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 got <laughs> three of those five don't want to talk to you anymore. So it, it's kind of there's a reason behind it, and it, it might seem like uh, well well they shouldn't be afraid of the competition or whatever. And it, it's just, it's just not so much that it, it's just a waste of their time if you've already gone to someone else and they're locked out of that particular uh, provider. Exactly. Yep. Hundred percent. Um. Well, send it. it in the interest of time, I, we definitely could talk about this for <laughs> for hours in terms of what happens during due diligence. But um, I want to get to the part of the show where I get to ask you the questions that I ask every guest. Um, the first one is based on the name of the show being Know Your Why. And so my question to you is, is what is your why? What what drives you forward? Um, what what kind of keeps you keeps you push keeps pushing you towards success? Yeah. So so I'm, I'm going to give two different answers to that, that maybe they kind of go hand in hand, but they're two different things. So number one, I, I mentioned earlier, I love helping people. And uh, I, I always want to find a way to, to help people in the, in their, in their life. And so I love sitting down with those investors, talking to them about their dreams, talking to them about their goals and helping them achieve those, those goals. But selfishly, I want to focus on self-improvement. I'm a self-development junkie, self-proclaimed. I'm a junkie, right? If you're going to be addicted to something, I think self-development is the thing to it's do not, it. Right. It's not bad. And, uh, not yeah, a bad and thing I, to you have tell probably by all the books and everything yeah. behind me, you know, I, I, I love uh, becoming a better person. And part of that is then now I can become a better, better to help other people, right? If I improve myself, I can help other people better. Yeah. So it goes hand in hand. So uh, I want to help people improve their finances and their life and live the life that they want to live, right? Whatever that means to them. And then that in turn allows me to continue feeding my self-development habit. And it's this kind of a, I want to use the word vicious cycle because that's the, the term that we all use, but it's not really bad. It's a really good right. cycle, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it feeds it feeds one thing, which feeds another thing, right? I can help people. Uh, and that gives me money so that I can now uh, become better self-development, that type of thing. So then I can better help people. So helping people and self-development. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. Uh, I think almost all of my guests that are, you know, 
not just starting their journey in real estate and, and even some that are, I mean, I think it, you need to, you start out with sort of your, your personal why, but then you, you have that also that sort of impact. Why, like, what, what am I, what you find your purpose almost through this, you know, process and the, and the, the self-development and, and it's, you know, it is uh, really kind of amazing to see. I think um, one of the conferences, I guess coming up again, uh, but last year's best ever conference, there was a lot of, um, speakers that just talked about, you know, kind of where they got to from their impact side of things, including Joe Fairless. And it was like, that was the best thing about the conference to me is to to see not like, oh, I want to have a billion dollars of assets under management, but what does that do for you in the ability to, to give back? I think that that's just kind of an amazing, uh, <clears throat> you know, sort of forward-looking vision as far as, you know, where you can get. Um. Second question for you is what, uh, tell us something about yourself that um, maybe isn't common knowledge, special skill, a hobby, uh, just something that um, gets the listeners to know you a little better that you're comfortable sharing. Aside oh, from a wait. cool first name. <laughs> I, I'm kind of an open book. That, that's a hard one for me uh, because I, I tell people everything about myself. Uh, the cool first name, there's a good story there. I have five kids. You mentioned that. You know, actually, no, there is something that uh, I don't talk about a whole lot, but it's something I'm very proud of. Uh, I I am a I'm a Shriner and, and a Mason. Uh, I don't know. Some people don't even know what that means. So they're the they're the guys with the funny hats that drive around in little cars in the parades. <laughs> but more importantly than that, the Shriners have hospitals all around the uh, all around the world, actually, that help kids that uh, have you know some kind of injury spinal issues, burns, that type of thing. So uh, the Shriners Hospitals for Children uh, help people uh, live better lives and uh, lives that they couldn't uh, live on their own. So I'm pretty proud to be a Shriner. Uh, and to be a Shriner, you have to be a Mason, uh, which is, again, a whole nother conversation we could have for another hour of what that <laughs> yeah. means. Yeah. But uh, it is something that I enjoy being. That's awesome. And and something to, to be proud of. I, I, we It's funny, I do know it is, because as a kid in like grew up in Massachusetts, like as a kid, we would go to in the parades, we would see the Shriners and like my, my family loved it. Like that was like our, like the favorite part, like my, my grandparents, my aunts, aunts and uncles, like just love seeing that part in, on the, in the little, <laughs> like little motorcycles, like just very cool. So I've, I do have some familiarity, but uh, that's, that's pretty neat. Uh, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way we'll, we'll put whatever you want in the show notes yeah so the the best way to find me is just my website uh which is senateskridge.com uh and you know i am on all the other social medias as well linkedin and and facebook but the website's the best place to to reach me my contact information's on there i'm actually also just launched a, a investor 101 course people can go to my website senateskridge.com under resources investor 101 or senateskridge.com slash course, pretty easy to get to. And uh, there's a lot of information in there that we've talked about and a lot more uh, to really help people learn how to be the best passive investor they can be. As I mentioned earlier, I love helping people. So if I can empower them with knowledge, then I feel like I've helped them. Awesome. 
Uh, final question for you. What is a piece of advice you would give to someone who is getting started? Uh, and you can take it whatever direction you want, whether that's getting started as an active real estate investor or a passive real estate investor, but um, just just someone getting started, they they've they hear you on the podcast and they're like, yeah, that, that sounds cool. I want to do what that guy does. What would you suggest to them? Yeah, uh, I'm going to steal this straight from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And that is begin with the end in mind. I, I highly recommend anyone who's starting any journey, sit down and figure out what that looks like, what it's going to look like at the end. And if that's the way you want your life to lead, work backwards from there. It's a great idea. And it, and and uh, something that I, I feel like a lot of experienced investors and entrepreneurs and stuff will say that and, and maybe didn't do it in the beginning, right? You do it, you necessarily, you're like, yeah. I'm just going to start doing something. But a lot of people look, will look back and say, you know, they, they got to a point where they did have, you know, you almost have to say, okay, wh what do I want out of this? And now, you know, sort of reverse engineer it to, to what it looks like to get there. So I think um, it's a really great piece of advice. And if people start thinking about that right from the get-go, it, it really will help you, you know, sort of get there faster and, and probably without, you know, as many, without as many uh, roadblocks. And and a lot of people mean stuff like that when they say things like go bigger, faster, or I would have went straight for multifamily, or I would have done this, or I would have done that. But the most important thing is what does the individual want? Right. What kind of life, what kind of life do you want and what do you want that to look like? And then go for that thing. Because it doesn't matter what, what Senate wants, what Jason wants, or what Gino, or whoever else we've talked about, what they want in life. Yeah. It's what do you want in life? And how do you want your life to be? Yeah, 100%. You, ha you, have, to know, you have to know what it is you're trying to achieve. I think there are a lot of people that see, you know, they see that people are successful in real estate. And they're like, Okay, I'm gonna buy a duplex. You're like, mm -hmm. well, okay, but why? Why? What does that? What does that look like for you? You want to be a landlord? Are right. you gonna manage it yourself? Like people just don't. So I think that's that's exactly what you're getting at. Is in that you know you like teaching people. You want to give back. You want to guide them to to what it what it looks like for them. You know, because yeah. because certainly buying a duplex and self managing it, there, there's nothing passive about that. You just bought another job. So if that's right. what you want to do great like that's fine if you like you know answering directly to those tenants or you want you have a job that that makes good money and you want you want to get into real estate and you just want to be completely passive with it well then you you get into a syndication or you, you know find find someone like yourself to invest with i mean there's just um it's really important to 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 know what it looks like for you absolutely yep cool well Senate, thank you so much. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I think it was, it was a great conversation and, and uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of value for realistically, um, probably both passive and active investors, you know, some of the topics we touched on. So, so thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. And uh, if anybody has any questions or anything, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Happy to help. Awesome. Yeah, and, and for folks listening, uh, I'm sure you, you uh, got a lot of value out of uh, Senate's discussion today. So please like, rate, and review the show. Uh, allows us to get more good, good guests on. Thank you. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. 
My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.